Hey there, my name is Lucas Mulepo and you listen to The Square One Show, a podcast about the journey. On this episode, I sat down with Junius Moremi, a LLB graduate, legal professional and writer. Our conversation ranges from feminism, gender-based violence, financial literacy. He shares one single tip that helped him to graduate law in record time and a whole lot more. I hope you enjoy the show. Junius, welcome to the show, dude. I always wanted to do this with you for a very long time. <laughs> no, man, thanks for having me. Thanks sure, having sure. Me. I firstly met you at Turf, met you at church, but uh, we never really hung out in like same circles, like to know, really know you. You know, sure. when you someone is in your circle and when someone is like your, your friend. Sure. So you were just in my circle. So, yeah, I... I I follow you on YouTube, on Twitter and uh, Instagram, Instagram and I feel like you <clears throat> you have impact or influence. A lot of people gravitate towards your gravitate towards your, your content and they are they are impacted positively. So like uh, I thought we should do this. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Thanks. So where I'd like us to start is your your background, like where you are from, where you, you grew up, where you went to school, high school, and yeah, let's just pick it up from there. Okay, so um, like you already said, my name is Junius, my son is Maremi. I'm from Khapani, a small township in Bulovedu, Limpopo, just outside Zanin. Um, but I grew up in a small village called Iketle. I went to high school in a school deep in the village, just in Mujaji, called uh, Mandela Palo Agriculture High School. I went to University of Limpopo. Uh, I studied and graduated my LLB in 2018. And yeah, I'm currently in Toya, as yeah. you know. <laughs> That's where we are. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so from like high school, like what type of person were you? You know, when you, you go to school, you go to school with different people, there's like your class rep, prefect type, <laughs> and there's that guy who stays in the back. So where were you between that? <laughs> so I was the guy at the back, but it was sort of like a conflict of personalities because I was a quiet guy, but the quiet guy who sits at the back. Mm-hmm. Because ideally, most of the times, the guys who sit at the back are the guys who usually are the bad guys or, you know, those yeah, guys yeah. who make noise. Troublemaker. Sure, but yeah. I wasn't really a troublemaker. But I preferred to sit at the back. And mm. that was the kind of guy I was. I was very shy <clears throat> growing up. Mm. Um, I, I feel like I still am, you know, mm, but mm. most people beg to differ based on the kind of personality I portray. Yeah, yeah. You know, because. Ah, uh, yeah, I'll be one of those. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, but through time, I learned to work with that, you know. Yeah. Um, I learned that talking a lot makes you look less shy. Or rather, yeah, less yeah. nervous, let me say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I tend to be very nervous around people, you know. Even mm. now, I can jump easy, but. <laughs> really? <laughs> nah, don't be talking. Maybe, like, this is going to be for two people. Sure. <laughs> guess, so you can relax. Sure, sure. Um, so, sitting at the back and, let's say, excelling, like, were you doing well? Yeah, of course. Like, metric. Even though you were sitting at the back. Yes, I was. Really? I, I don't think sitting at the back actually affected me that much. It's more of who you associate yourself with and the time you give your books. Yeah. That actually matters now. Oh. So, uh, we were, I was amongst troublemakers, but yeah. when I get home, I don't live with troublemakers. Really? So. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, 
you know, like when you are, like, I, I, I wasn't sitting at the back, but at the same time, like you say, you grew up in the village. Mm. I was also in in the village, and I thought like I wasn't um, informed enough about like what do I want to do after matric. And sometimes it's also about like your your surrounding. Let's say your neighborhood. No one in your neighborhood went to varsity or, or stuff like that. So sure. you don't you don't dream beyond that. Sure. So when you were in matric, like you knew what you wanted to do the the following year. Well, the thing I wanted to do when I was in matric. Uh, is where I am today, but it's not something my parents wanted me to do. Really? Yeah, man. So, where I come from, eh? I come from a family of Christians. Yeah, mm. So, ideally, what I did, they were thought, no, man, you shouldn't be doing that. Christians don't do that. Okay. You know, okay. So, you yeah, must yeah. do something else. Yeah. So, when I was applying, there were applications that, when I was sending out, had to go through what is called a vetting system through my mom, Ellen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because I can't, by the end of the day, she's the one who pays for the application fees and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, she was against what I wanted to study, and... What was it? I wanted to study law. Oh, uh, sure. okay, yeah, yeah. Ellen. So, she didn't, <laughs> she didn't want that, ideally. So, when I was applying, most of the applications I sent out were for engineering. Mm. And I don't, I'm not sure if you know this, but I studied engineering before I studied law. So, yeah. Uh, I studied engineering for two years at UJ before I actually decided, no, I need to switch to law. Yeah, but it was always a cry that, no, I need to study law, I need to study law. Yeah. Unfortunately, when I applied at UJ, they put me on the waiting list. Man. Yeah. And my second option was mechanical engineering. Yeah. And then so my mom's like, why not just? Yeah. Because ideally, that's what she wanted. She wanted yeah. And yeah. she's like, the following year, you'll change. But then the following year, the beginning of it, she's like, no, I'll just continue. But then halfway through that, you know, you can see when something is not for you or, mm. and you're not happy. It wasn't okay. So, yeah, I spoke to uh, thinking about it and, you know, had to switch to law. So then I switched to law and I was advised to go to University of Limpopo as I was told it's one of the best uh, law institutions. Mm. So, yeah, I went to University of Liverpool and I studied law. I didn't know this UJ thing, dude. <laughs> yeah, not a lot of people know, actually. For real? <laughs> and which year was this, your first year in, in engineering? Uh, it was 2012. So, straight from Habane to, 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 to UJ? To the States of Johannesburg. Really? <laughs> <laughs> so... so. Oh, how was the transition? Uh, it was actually uh, quite, I don't know, thrilling, you know? Yeah. Because, you know, you come from a place whereby you don't even know what a flat is, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like the highest you can go is a double story. Yeah, Believe me, I know but what then you're talking you get about. There and then you get like a 30 store building, you know? Yeah, yeah. And the life that side is not the same as home, you know? Yeah. Life is expensive in Gauteng. Yeah. Things are fast. Very you know? fast. There's so many different things from from lifestyle to how academics operate to a whole lot of stuff, you know. So I was exposed to a whole different environment, like the one at home, you know. You get more inspired when you decide. No offense to anyone who's mm. in the village or anything, but things are very fast and very inspiring and eye-opening mm. on my mm. side from, you know, when you come to day, you know. Mm. Um, which is why when I actually finished, uh, completed my degree at UL, 
I actually always want to come back this time. Mm, so, you knew, you yeah, knew, no, I knew how life was. Sure. I knew sure. Wow, dog. So, with moving from Kapani to Trozi, so a lot of people like me, so mm. I I always had a, a, a view of Joburg through the movie, like Zoti, sure. Jerusalem, <laughs> you know, all those types of stuff. Like, oh man, I'm not sure I want to go there. <laughs> like, sure. I didn't want to because of, because of the crime. Man. Stuff. Didn't you like have fears like that as well? No, um, I did actually. Um, because they'd always warn us that hey, you must be careful that side. Mm. Hey, hey, you'll get mad, you know, stuff like that. You'll be exposed to a lifestyle that is way ahead of you. You'll be exposed to drugs, women, and whatnot, you know. Mm-hmm. And those are the kind of things that you actually encounter everywhere. Yeah. But to be honest, it's worse this side. Because in Pretoria. there's a lot of pressure this side, you know, like Pretoria and Joburg to be oh, specific. Oh, yeah, you yeah. Know, um, things work different here than they do at UL, you know, or they've mm. worked in a different way than they did back then, you know. Mm. Um, unfortunately, I've never been mugged before. Um, or fortunately, let me say. So it's, it's, it's some things that I've experienced and some I haven't experienced to that extent whereby I can actually attest or testify to say, you know, yeah. This is how Joburg life is. Although it's real, you, you hear it around, you hear people saying one, two, three happen, the streets are not safe. Yeah. And but yeah, you know. It's not as bad. Yeah, it's not as bad as you yeah. see it in the movies. Yeah. Or yeah. maybe we don't quite see it or experience it yeah. enough or the same. The people will tell you that yeah. hey, what we see in the movies is real, you know. It yeah. happened to me. You know, but personally speaking, it hasn't been like that. Yeah, because with me also it has I got mugged this side, Pretoria, mm. but not Josie. So I think, again, it has to do with the, the values and the models you taught at home. Mm. You know, at home, the, there's that thing of like, Oscar Tamachi also. So, it's a real thing. It's, it I is. Think it's a real it thing. Is. No matter how old yeah. you are, don't just like aimlessly walk during the night, not sure. going anywhere. Sure. So I think those type of things also help. So mm. for a person who's maybe struggling with the same fears, it's not as bad like mm. moving this side if they feel like they need to move this side. Uh, you just have to like live by certain sure. values for you to be safe. So you move to TERF. Uh, mm. Which year was this? Uh, I went to TERF in 2014. 2014 was my first year. I was there 2014 till 17. So I was there for four years. For four years. Yeah. And what, is that uh, LLB record time? Yes. Cheers. Four years. Cheers. <laughs> so the... How was the, the change then from UJ now to to Tev, bro? Honestly, it was more like a downgrade for me. Mm. Um, there are a lot of facilities or you know places that mm. are in Joburg that you don't find in UL. Mm. You know because UL is the surround. You see, you know the surroundings of UL yeah, yeah, yeah. as compared to the site. You know UL is not in the city. Not in Polokwane, it's outside Polokwane, yeah, yeah. you know, a township in Tufflu. So it's a bit different, but at the same time, the down or the upside of it was that rent was cheaper, you know. <laughs> so that was quite a win, you know. Yeah. But you know, there were things that you had to adjust to, but it's not like it was anything new for me, you know, especially mm. coming from the place where I grew up is more or less the same, like Tuff. Yeah, so yeah. It's, it was nothing new. You the like only, you yeah, you know, the only thing you had to learn is. How do people work here? You know, how does the system work? You know, mm. how do you fit in the mm. environment, people? You know, is it okay to walk at night? 
you know yeah. where do yeah. we hang out who do you hang out with you know yeah. some sort of you know etiquettes and norms that you need to know in the place once you get there once you're a newbie let me say so but i got to learn uh luckily for me most of the people i knew from home were in traveler oh, so it was yeah. easy for me to just you know, fit in because yeah. you just walk to gate two oh i know you yeah, you know, yeah. You take your numbers and then you know hey you're your friends yeah you get to class your first day you don't know anyone gg you see someone you know hey yeah, oh, I know you so, from somewhere. Yeah, and then you know it, it made things easier for me. To, that to transition, adapt. Was, yeah, to adapt made things very easy. Mm. So I, if you manage to pass, uh, be in record time, and like not so many people can do that with any of like those sort of um, qualifications. Mm. And I think one of the reasons is the pressure of varsity because mm. like you're away from home. Like you, you just like you're free now, sure. but somebody's paying your bills. You know that feeling. Sure. <laughs> so how did you not let the the pressures of varsity get to you? Well, first of all, it was the whole idea that it wasn't my first time at university. Oh yeah. Understand? So yeah. it's more of you know how these things work. You know, university tends to make you relax, and a lot because now you tell yourself you're away from home. Mm-hmm. you know all the mom or you type of thing you yeah, know yeah. and then you tend to relax you get swallowed up in all these things you know entertainment you know ul, UL has a lot of passions they have yeah quite a lot you know entertainment, entertainment but just like any other university you know you get to relax no one is gonna shout at you or call your parents or you're not coming to class yeah so for me it was more of you know how this works be disciplined yeah you know, for me being disciplined having time management knowing when and when not to party, when knowing when yeah. to study, when is the right time to study, when is the right yeah, time yeah. to go out, when yeah. is the right time to hang out, you know. And basically knowing how to say no. Because now if you don't know how to say no to going mm-hmm. out, hanging out, chilling, drinking and whatnot, yeah. you get consumed in a lifestyle that you didn't quite sign up for when you went to university. Yeah, yeah. And then now you get distracted, you know, you're gonna end up finishing a degree, yeah, four years and seven years. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it's the case, you know. But sometimes people just put themselves under a lot of unnecessary pressure, mm-hmm. you know, especially from parents or from your friends who are doing excellently well. Because mm-hmm. you know? sometimes you might find that you're prepared for an exam, but because you are under a lot of pressure, you fumble. Yes, yeah, you, yeah. you get there, you get a panic attack, you don't know what to do, yeah, yeah. you forget things. Yeah. So for me, it's more like you're in your own lane, you're in your own race. You know, if you take four years, kudos to you. If you take six, yeah, you know, it's still it's it's an accomplishment. You know? I don't look down yeah. on people who quite don't make it in record time because you don't know the reason why it's taken them so long. You know, you don't know the reason behind them struggling. You know, because now you might be smart, but you might have I don't know an underlying condition or a mental condition that you're going through mm. that kind of delays you, yeah. you know, getting that record time. So for me, I think it was that. And um, since we met in a like a more of a Christian environment, sure. um, how did that help? How did that contribute to like the discipline, as you say? So, ideally, going to church. Then, mm. so when I got to you, I, I didn't want to go to church at all, honestly, because mm. it was more of where do you go, number one? 
Yeah, which yeah. church do you go to? Which one is the right one? Mm. So you don't know which one to pick, you know. In as much as you can say, no, they're all Christian churches. Yeah. Just pick one. Like, yeah, it's not that easy. It's not easy, you know, yeah. because I know people who went to church and even left, and they tell you because it's because of the pastor or the people at church, mm. and you'd wonder how, you know. Yes, yeah. That's the only place you'd expect people to teach you right. Yeah. But so, for me, I was invited man, mm. by a friend. Like, no, just come one Sunday. Yeah. Come on Sunday. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Come wait one Sunday. It was nice. It was very nice. You know? yeah. And I was like, you know what, man? I'll come back next week again. Yeah. Mm. I didn't come back next week. Yeah. <laughs> Which is normal. <laughs> sure. It happens. So yeah. I skipped like two weeks. Mm. And then another friend invited me. No, you should come. I was like, no, I was there last week. Yeah. But didn't you see? He was like, no, like, let's go. And then I went, you know. And um, this time it was a different guy. Yeah, so, yeah. so when I got there, yeah, I invited a friend of mine. I'm like, let's go. So I went to my friend so that I must, you know, Shouldn't feel out of place. Yeah. So I went there. Then I went. I went there. They made an announcement about uh, joining the multimedia team. Yeah. Yeah. So at the back of my mind, it was that thing. You keep saying you want to go to church, but you're not going. Mm. You know why is it? Mm. And then something just subconsciously told me there isn't anything holding me to it. Yeah, you know, yeah, but then when I heard Barno, they're looking for people to join the multimedia team. I'm like, there is something that will hold you to it. Yeah. You know, like there will be a reason. Something will push me and say, let's go. Like you, you have a purpose. You committed now. to something. So, yeah. so I was looking for that kind of commitment to say, let's go. You know. Mm. So when I joined the multimedia team, something I liked about the church was that it was it wasn't a church that would really look at where you come from. Or yeah. who you are before they can actually say you can do one, two, three. Yes, yeah, you know, because yeah, yeah. we live in a world whereby who you are, what you do, yeah, is determined you know, by exactly you know your material position. Sure. Yeah. So being people who didn't quite have a lot as students, there wasn't that segregation or classification of people in there. Yeah. You know, so um, and is that you know something that actually really helped was that they really supported academic excellence. They mm. really supported it. So mm. it wasn't even about no, you must offer, you must type, yeah, you must one, yeah, two, three. Yeah. No, that's like, true. Actually. You know, yeah. and it, it sucks when you get to a church that only prioritizes that, especially yeah. if it's a church that is in a university or student setup. Yeah, you know, I feel like honestly speaking, the one thing that should come first yeah. is you and your academics or them supporting your academic excellence. Because yeah. now you're not going to be talking about. Uh, you buying a house at that point, you know, yes. because you're still trying to get through your academics. You know, imagine if now we're in a setup at university, but they've been telling you about building a family, making babies, getting a house. What about the books, you know? So, yeah, ideally yeah. for me, it was that they were so friendly enough to address the whole academic uh, thing, you know. And then going to church quite often, you know, moved us away from all these things that could quite be yeah. distractions, you know. Yeah. So it made me think, eh, okay, going to a bash on a Saturday and then going to church on a Sunday might not be the best idea. You might, no, not, so, you might not even have the energy to like, exactly. wake up and go. You know, so them. it's one of the things that actually pushed me to say, no, yo, let me just stay on this time. Yeah, let me not. just, you know, relax or not go, you know. Yeah. So it, it kind of pushed me there. So plus I didn't want to be that guy or multimedia has been in multimedia for six years. That was something, you know, no, I need to pass. I need to move. Yeah. I need to, need to, you to know, progress. Sure. Out of this. 
you see how you're saying um, you didn't want to go to the bash uh, Saturday, mm. then Sunday you go to church. Mm. I left uh, a bash early because of that. Sure. So many times. Sure. So many times, like, yo, I have church in the morning. Mm. So many people, they, like, stay there the whole That's night. Sure. And maybe they even drink, like, the whole Sunday because, ah, what's the point? I'm already drunk, you so, know? So, like, yeah, that's true. That's different. Now, my problem was that I was staying on campus. Oh, So, yeah, there wouldn't yeah. be that theory, ah, I'll leave K10 oh, or I'll yeah. leave K11. Like, the streets of Gate 1 were not safe. Not safe, yeah. So, uh, plus... Gate 1 is which side? Mam Tintan side? Yes. Oh, yeah. Plus, that was a time before they had the whole off-campus transport thing. Mm. Yeah, sure. mm. So, I was like, hey, I know. If, if I'm doing this, I'm going to be here the whole night and know that tomorrow I'm not going to church. Yeah. Or oh, otherwise, I'm not doing it at all. At all, yeah, So, yeah. that was where it was. So, like, I like what you said, man, about a church that encourages you to actually do what you, you, you went there to do. Sure. You know? So, even, like, if there's a person who, who would like to go to church um, mm. on campus, wherever they are, they can look for that in a church to say, sure. I really want to commit myself to a church that supports my academics and i think it's like serving like using a department in a church mm. to, to serve so, in yeah. so that that makes you to grow because that's true you know it it, it keeps you it holds you to a higher standard or it keeps sure. you accountable because sure. If you do not come the, the the next day, it's like you didn't go to work. Yeah. You know, it's like how do you expect the church to run? Sure. You know, <laughs> yeah, so that's the best best way to, to plug yourself. Mm. So turf, if you remember, it's like a a place where it, it's influenced a lot by politics, you know. Sure. Like there's these campus whatever, so I don't know what they call it. Sure. So you, you never got into those stuff. I mean I wasn't a political person. I still no. am not. Really? Yeah. For me, if it had anything to do with academics, I would say. Mm. You know, so basically, I would say the structures that I was part of was nothing political. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What were uh, I, I did sports. Yeah. Uh, I played soccer. I did cricket. And then I was part of the CAE, which is the Center of Academic Excellence. It had a sort of like a student mentorship program. Oh, yeah. So yeah, I was yeah. part of that. I was also part of a debate team, but then I quit. Uh, <laughs> All these things in turf. Yeah. Your dog. Your. <laughs> you actually did a lot no, with, 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 with um, little time. Sure. In the, yeah. yeah. But that's how you balance things. For me, I feel like you can't just be all about academics, 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 academics. Mm. That's how you go crazy. You know, that's how you get panic attacks. You need mm. to refresh. You need to do exercise. You need to be part of these structures. Plus, not only that, man, mm. being part of certain structures is quite beneficial for your CV as well. It puts, it shows that you have certain extramural activities you do. Yeah. You have the need to to give back, you know. You're driven. Yeah, you know, you, you are academically, not just even academically, but you're just yeah, driven. driven in, in life and that. So there's a structure, uh, I don't know if it's like the Faculty of Law or something, sure. BLA or something like sure. that. Sure. Where you're part of it. What's, yeah. what is, what's that? So, uh, BLA is the Black Lawyers Association. Yeah. So, basically, what BLA does, it advocates for black lawyers, mm. or mainly black lawyers, let me yeah. say. So, for me, when I joined BLA, I didn't know what BLA, I just thought BLA, and like, our membership is theater and, ah, no, I'm in, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm yeah. in, you know. And you don't see these things before you get in, or uh, what does it do for you? Mm. You know, so they expose you to a lot of stuff. They have 
mini seminars and then these general meetings. So if you want to be part of the leadership, you can be part of the leadership. But my participation sort of deteriorated towards my final year because I got too busy, so I didn't mm. want to be in the leadership. But ideally, they would have seminars. Usually, they will call these law firms, uh, people in the legal fraternity who are in yeah. high positions to come and speak to you guys just to motivate you and push you. Yeah. yeah. So one thing I benefited a lot from it was that in my third year, mm. um, we have in law we have these things that we call vacational work, okay. where you can actually go to a firm and work for the holidays. Like this is mm. probably so winter American, or summer. Uh, yeah. Internships. Sure. Summer internship. Yeah. Summer internship. Basically. Yeah. yeah. So you you go then you work for two weeks. So BLA used to do. I don't know if they still do now, but they used to do this thing whereby they would place you. Mm. So they would have a meeting prior to uh, holidays or prior to exams, actually, yeah. where you'd list your names and then they would list your name, where you where you are, yeah. where you're from, you know, and, you know, all your details. Yeah, and yeah. then they would place you. Say, for example, you're someone like me who comes from Khaban, which yeah. is outside Zanin. Yeah. So, like, the nearest town is what? It's Zanin. So, it's like, law firms in Zanin, they know, yeah. they would place you there. So, wow. they placed me at one of the firms in Zanin. Yeah, so I managed to work there for two weeks. Yeah. You know, that it gives you exposure wow. or it gave me exposure into what does life hold after school, you know, when yeah. you, after you graduate, like your articles, internships or whatever it is. Yeah. So I worked there for like two weeks, you know, quite exposed me to a lot of stuff that I didn't know from reading in the book. You know, yeah. it's, it's it's very, from our, in our field, it's very different being in practice and actually theory in school, oh, yeah. two different things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I think um, with others as well, mm. maybe it can be the size of the difference, you know. Sure. Maybe with other people it's not as much and other people it's like way, way, way different because sure. you're in a classroom and then with your field you need to be in the courtroom type mm. of thing. Wow, it was really helpful, ne? Yeah, it was. Dope. So you graduate when? 2017 was my final year, so yeah. I graduated 2018. 2018 and then... What happens after after uni? Twenty eighteen, I went to law school. Okay. Uh, a, in Ulokwani. Mm. Uh, I was at law school for a period of six months. So, so how do these law school thing work? Thing is, like if you remember, like also I in my circle, I had a lot of people who were studying law. A lot mm. of people, and I always heard this going to law school so next year, going to law school. My mind is in law school. Like what? Yeah. What is why? Why can't you just graduate and go to work? Well, you can, but the question is. It depends on what you want to be, who you want to be, you know, because now I can graduate with my LLP and decide, you know what, I want to be a legal advisor. You don't need to go to law school. I can graduate and say, you know what, uh, I need to be an advocate. You don't need mm. to go to law school. You don't need to. You know, but in order for you to be... Wait, what's the difference first? The difference between... Legal advisor and advocate. Okay, so legal advisors are mainly just uh, legal individuals who work at a company. Mm. So what you do is you work as an advisory, internal advisory to oh, the company. like for Standard Bank. So yes, you can work yeah. at Standard Bank, you can yeah. work at any company, insurance yeah. company, you know, oh, you can okay. work I at see. Toyota, BMW, anywhere. Sure. Did, who did that, yeah. sure. So, um, and then obviously, attorney are the ones you see in court. Oh. Uh, also, but just because you're an attorney doesn't mean you are someone who goes to court. I know of attorneys who don't go to court at all. What do they do? Um, it could be in a corporate space, like in a law firm, yes, but all you do is corporate information. So okay. basically what you do, you draft, 
uh, contracts, contracts, your advice on oh. transactions, your right legal opinions. Oh, okay, you know. okay, okay, I understand. Oh. And then there are advocates, of course. Advocates are more like uh, they are the ones writing these brief in matters that require an advocate to appear. So, for example, if it's a matter that goes to the High Court, the mm. Supreme Court of Appeal, or the Constitutional Court, you mm. need to brief an advocate. So, advocate is uh, above attorney? Technically, yes. Okay, okay, I see. So, wh- how was it different at um, law school and uh, campus, uh, TEF? Well, it's more or less the same. Law school is like school. You yeah. actually go into class. Every day. You know, to... To, to, to learn every day, you know, mm. like eight, two, three, somewhere there. Mm. You know, it depends, but there are day school and then there's night school. Night school is like from six to 11. Yeah. So I went to the day school. So it's basically school. The difference is that they require you to wear formal so that you can get used to wearing formal oh. every day. You understand? Going to work. Sure. Yeah. And then, yeah, you get there, they teach you. The people who actually teach you are people who are practicing. Mm. So they would call a practicing attorney, but can you please come and teach on two, three? You know, yeah, so yeah. these are people based in 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 in, in Polokwane. Yeah. Yeah. So they're the ones who will come in to teach us. They will mm. tell you. They would literally give you like practical examples because this is what they do every day. Every day, as compared to a lecturer who doesn't really do that, but just knows it because he's academic from, from the textbook. Studies, yeah, you know. Yeah. But Yena is teaching you from what experience Midline. and practical. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Then after law school. You start looking for a job. So, the job thing, I think it was 20... In 2017, around August, yeah. a friend of mine just sent me a WhatsApp text. Out. Yeah. I want this uh, thingy. I want you to apply. I have a bursary with them. Yeah. So, they have an opportunity for a graduate program. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Let me apply. I'm right. Yeah. I forgot about it. And then next year, I was in law school, 2018, around May. They called, but no... Um, we want to interview you. So, law school goes from January to June. Mm. Um, so, they call around May, but I want to interview you. I'm like, yeah, I'm all the way in Polokwane, guys. Yeah. So, I'm not sure how it's going to be possible to come there because you can't miss a class at law school. If you miss a class at law school, you have to come and attend at the next uh, intake. Um, so, you have For to real? attend every class. And if you miss it, you won't get your certificate until you attend it. Yeah. The, the same class around the same course of the program? Yes. So yeah. So and then uh, some company called. Yeah. Uh, they called me and they said, "No, you want to interview." So I'm like, "Oh, okay, cool." But I'm in Pulukwan, so yeah. I don't know how that's gonna work. Yeah. But it's fine. We'll Skype. So yeah. and then we Skype. After we Skype, they're like, "No, if you don't hear from us by month end, you'll hear from us by month end." Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Ah, month end happened. They don't call. Then they call somewhere mid June. Now it was mid June. Yeah. Like, um, we want you to do these MIE or IE, IME, these fingerprint background oh, checks, yeah, yeah. what, what, yeah. you know. Yeah, and then after that, after I did that, uh, they called a few days later and they're like, no, um, uh, we just sent you an offer. Or we would like to offer you the position that you yeah. applied for, you had an interview for, you've been successful. If you are interested, sign and you'll start on Monday. I think it was Thursday. Yeah. And they're like, you start on Monday. Yeah, but this was like end of June. Monday was like the beginning of July. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I went to do a graduate program at uh, the Public Investment Corporation. Mm. Um, so it's it's here in Pretoria, in PIC. Yeah. So um, their program was that 
it's two years. You know, it's a two-year program. As part of that program, they have a structure to it. You know, unlike other departments, your finance, IT, HR, uh, mm. investment, private equity, and whatnot, it's different to legal. So all the programs are two years, but the legal program was structured in a way that one year you are there with them doing what they do, yeah. and then the second year yeah. they outsource you. To uh, go and do your articles, so basically they will call you. They have a panel of attorneys which they work with. So yeah. they were like, "No, we have um, a graduate here who wants to do the articles. Are you okay with that?" So yeah, I was there for a year. That was twenty eighteen July till twenty eighteen June. Yeah, and then twenty nineteen July, I left and went to do my articles. Oh, uh, I see. So I was there for a year, but ideally they were still paying me, but. I was kind of working outside. Somewhere else. Yeah. So, like, um, you got my attention when you spoke of the whole IME, background sure. check, whatever stuff. So, I once heard that if, like, you want to be a lawyer and you have a criminal record, mm. it can be, like, a, a deterrence of some sort. So, so, do you know of people or do you know anyone who experienced that or the story? that stopped someone to get into the uh, the industry or the field because of the, of the record? Okay, so other than the record, ne, ideally what they do in order for you to become an attorney is they conduct what is referred to as a fit and proper test. Yeah. So among other things, they look at your criminal record, yeah. your social history, your, uh, what's this, credit record, credit record yeah. and whatnot, whatnot, you know. Yeah. But... And if those things, you, you, either you have a criminal record or your credit record or you are uh, listed on the barrier, that's mm. blacklisted, for example, yeah. they might consider you as not being fit and proper to be an artist. Yes, uh, but I don't know of anyone who's actually been denied because of the criminal record. Yeah. But I know of people who were because of the credit record thingy uh, and because of just the technicality in your application because they're very thorough and strict in what. Because okay. you can you can have a good credit score, no criminal record, you know, no bad yes. history, yeah. but then only on technicality that you find that your application will be denied. Okay, okay, yeah. I see. Oh, so it's like just something that I heard. Sharp. So now you move from what you call the PIC, you mm. go into like now articles, which is like corporate, like right? yeah. Even PIC is like corporate. PIC is corporate. more like corporate. Yeah. So. You move from varsity into the corporate world and like how do you find your your experience in a new environment of working, being an adult now? So I, things were quite different, you know, because mm. you got used to getting an allowance yeah, in, high, yeah, yeah. in, in varsity, varsity yeah. to now getting a salary, paying your own bills. Yeah. You know, it's a very different shift. Honestly speaking, being an adult or me coming into the whole working space yeah. required twice as much discipline as you had or had Definitely. in university because yeah. now no one is going to give you money you know the money you get from work is mm. all the money you get yeah back in university if you run out of money you call home yeah you know but now they expect you to be the one who does what at the end of the month you send something home yeah, yeah. you know you or help some, with something. yes yeah. something people refer to black text which yeah. i kind of hate the word but anyway. <laughs> no like you see the whole idea of black text name well, the reason why I hate the word black tax is because people feel like sending money home is an obligation. You okay. Know? Or they've made it like it's an obligation. Ah, yeah. the month ends, they want me to send money home. Yeah. You know, it shouldn't be. I mean, 
throughout your whole life you never had a cent but you always had always had something to eat at home yeah, yeah throughout sure. your whole life you had a lot of things to be paid for but you never even put out a cent you know yeah it's something how they took care of you for me the whole black tax idea or black tax in itself mm. is more of an appreciation for me you know yeah you yeah. take care of them thank you you're, you're giving back you're yeah. thanking them you know yeah. you're not obligated to but the problem is now some people some parents don't understand that you know they put you in a position whereby you are forced to pay like hey, again yeah. we took you to school you yes. owe us yeah, you know, to yeah, a point yeah. whereby they even dictate that you're supposed to give us this much you know in a sense that when you get an offer, hey, we want to see your cyberking paisley. We want to see how much you make so we can determine yeah, how much yeah. you give us. Yeah. You know, which is why they call it black tax. Oh, okay. you know, but yeah. ideally, that, that yeah, was black tax. That's black tax. Yeah, yeah. But ideally, it shouldn't be. But yeah. then I can now, we, we gave it a whole umbrella. Yeah. You know, just oh, giving your parents money is black tax. tax. You oh, know, your brother yeah. says, hey, uh, can I get money? I want some shoes or something, yeah. Yeah, you know, just to lift the weight from the parents. Yeah. And like, ah, like a black tent. And it's like, you used to do the same things to your brothers and sisters. I mean, sure. <laughs> man, who, deep, you know, who, who, who is he supposed to go to if he needs money? Yeah. He has a brother who's working. Yeah. I mean, his mother is working as well, but it's old. It's getting old, you know. Yeah. They get tired. They've been paid for school fees. Now let me say, no, brag, hey, on. Yeah. You understand. You know, now he doesn't need to lie and say, hey, textbook. they need money yeah. for textbooks. You know, yeah. it's just yeah. a matter of, let me just go to my brother, you know. And then now we look at like, hey, black text, black text. I never looked at it like that. <laughs> and I think it's because I've never been expected to, you know, mm. like being the last born. Sure, No sure. one to take care of. <laughs> sure. you know? So I, I never really had to, to send money to anyone. Sure. Except maybe... Like, they really, really need it. Need it, yeah. But it's like an emergency. It's not that thing of, like, I I felt like uh, it, it's expected mm. out of me. Mm. Yeah, so you're still telling me about, like, corporate and uh, you have, like, your own sal- salary now uh, and you, you're sending money home. So, yeah, you know, I mean, those are the kind of things. You face a lot of challenges once you start working, you know, hence why they call it adulting. Mm. You know, because now you get to see what it is to be an adult. Because you are at a point whereby you've moved from being dependent on your parents yeah. to being independent. Yeah. You know, to a certain extent, them depending on you now, or Sometimes. your siblings depending on you. Yeah. you know, so it's, 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 it takes time to adjust. You need to have what they refer to as uh, financial intelligence. Yeah. You know, it's not a matter of knowing numbers, just being financially disciplined. And the discipline that know, comes Like with budget it. is very important. Yeah. For, for some reason, we kind of overlook it. And think it's no big deal because yeah. I can go borrow money for my friend. Yeah. You know, um, to a certain extent, it it, 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 it requires a lot of, 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 of discipline there. You know, yeah. I struggled a lot, to be honest. Yeah. Like, I struggled a lot. Yeah, everyone does. Know. Everyone does. You know, but then at some point, you have to. And look at you it. at your age, dog. There's someone who's struggling at 38. Sure. So, like, <laughs> it's so, it's so, sure. it's so um, encouraging to hear that. Those things are really important mm. and you're trying to get them right or you tried to get them right sure. at this age. There are people who struggle Even forever. now, <laughs> you know, they, still, they struggle till they die. Yeah, yeah. Now, I feel like we should move from that, you know. Yeah. We should move from a position whereby we are over-indebted, you know. But I feel like people are over-indebted because of the lifestyle they choose to live. Yeah, you yeah. Know, we, we live above our pay grade. We live above our financial muscles and capacity, you know. Mm. All in the name of Ah, oh, man, I can't be left out. I mean, how dare you? Yeah. Know? 
Yeah. Like I can't be, imagine if now you live in a place whereby you don't have a lot of pressure like you do here. Yeah. You know, there isn't an event every here there's an event every day. True. Like every yeah. day Thursday, there Friday. Is something yeah. that's going on. You know, so there's always pressure to say, let's go out, let's do one, two, three. You yeah. know, you go outside, someone is wearing Air Force. Eish, pressure. When you are here, you're wearing, you know, it's more of what do you want? Eish. What kind of lifestyle do you it's want? It's a long game. No. So that's why we end up being dead, because like now you know my lifestyle is eating one, two, three, one, two, three. Your friends are having takeout every day. You want to live that life. You can't. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. You can't. Like, you know, you have people take care of, you have bills to pay, your yeah. food is here. You buy grocery, you cook. No one is going to judge you for that. Yeah. And by the end of the day, if you do that, and let's say, for example, you save 500 every month. Yeah. By the end of the year, you have 6,000. Bruh. <laughs> it's a lot that, of money. Yeah. That it's, it's your money. It's, it's your money. It's your no, money bro. You don't need to give yeah. it to anyone. It didn't escape your pocket yeah, in but, some way. Yeah, I feel like you I, found a way to keep it in your pocket. Sure. Yeah. I mean, working also taught me how to save. Yeah. Which is very you important. Need to save because now anything can happen. Emergency can like come. Like what happened You can lose your phone. Yeah. Or you can get mugged, you know. Someone can break in and do whatnot or or anything. Or any anything. Other you anything. can get sick. I don't And you find that you're on a medical aid. Yeah. And now you have to pay, you know, so... Those are the kind of, shape. Sure. So those are the kind of things that you need to consider when you behind the whole idea of saving. Yeah. So um, when you're talking about uh, the importance of budget, I saw it because when um, COVID hit, I was in an internship. Mm-hmm. And then midway through COVID, there was like restructurings and whatever. Sure. And I was like one of the people who was affected. Sure. But because I had that discipline of like saving, mm-hmm. I really didn't feel it. Um, for many months until like we got into a level one that when like your your savings now are, are running dry sure. and like from from May so like you see the importance of because anything can happen and anything happened this year sure. <laughs> anything yeah. happened so like when COVID hit like what like where were you and how did you first receive it what did you think was going to happen because I was talking to a guy yesterday just mm-hmm. yesterday and I asked him what he thought when they announced lockdown. He said he knew that it wasn't going to be 21 days. Mm. So, like, when COVID hit, because I remember in Jan, we were talking about it at work, or like, there's this thing that is happening in Asia, in China, mm. this and this and that. People were not taking it seriously, mm. but I was following it on the news. So, when it hit with you, like, where were you? How how did you receive the, the news? So, for me, I remember my mom was here, yeah. <laughs> when they actually announced, she planned on staying here for, like, two weeks. But unfortunately, she stayed for like three days and then they announced on TV that the lockdown is going to happen. So she had to leave. Mm. And so there were like 21 days. Like, oh, no, we can't stay here for 21 days. You know, yeah, what yeah. if it's not 21 days? So yeah. she's like, it's better we leave now and not after 21 days. Yeah. So for me, I thought I didn't really believe the whole 21 days. You know? I thought really? it was just a measure just to see or to give them time on what can be done. Yeah. Because now from where we were in March... China and them have been in lockdown since December mm. and it's March and you think we are going to handle it in 21 days and they could it in three months, you know. So oh, that was my thinking, like, you, know, you can't. So um, for me, it didn't really quite affect me. I've never been positive. I didn't even, I've never tested it actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've never had symptoms of it, Yeah, you know. So um, at work, it didn't really affect me that much. Because unfortunately, or fortunately, 
uh, I was in the position whereby uh, my contract was still there, you know, they yeah. didn't retrench on our side, they didn't do anything. But unfortunately, it expired, yeah. you know, which wasn't because of COVID, but it was, it just ran. It's it, the contract. You know, yeah. So, uh, for me, you know, I do believe that um, COVID is out there. People look at it and they say, you know, it's a myth, you know. Oh, it's yeah. a what what it's a hoax. They just trying to contain us. It's a strike. They're yeah. hiding something and so on. But I don't really believe that, you know. And because now all these things happened and a lot of people have been affected. Yeah. You know, yeah. the economy has suffered a lot. You yeah. Know, people lost their jobs, people lost their monies, people lost their companies, their businesses went down and you know, it's something that we need to acknowledge that is real. But uh thankfully next year or oh, I don't know when, but next year, hopefully, you know, it'll change. So, with like the impact that that uh, what you call COVID and lockdown had, the I like I've been talking to many people, and the, we were talking about the necessity of a lockdown, mm-hmm. and because you know, like a lot of people were like furious with the mm-hmm. lockdown. Uh, the DA, so many people are like, sure. this thing's not going to work, this thing's going to destroy the economy and, and, and whatever. So like now there are rumors that um, there will be a second wave and, and, and you can see with the damage that the first lockdown had, uh, yeah. if we have another lockdown, we are going to suffer, you know. Mm. So, um, man, it's such a mess and another mess that's being created is by our government, like sure. how, how they're dealing with it. Even the money that was supposed to be for the aid didn't aid anything. It. it was eight. <laughs> you know? yeah. So I don't know, like, what's your your thoughts on that? Um, with like how the government actually is handling everything. 